Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 101. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about strategies for messaging with teachers. Before I jump into that conversation, however, let me just give you a heads up on something that I'm working on presently. In episode 100, at the end of that episode, I made a shout out to school leaders who may be interested in building their own digital platforms. I've had a lot of experience in the last five years of growing a digital platform and the opportunities that it's created and the connections and relationships that it's built have been incredible. And if you're interested in learning more about how you can build your own platform, just reach out to me with an email at my email address, will at williamdparker.com. And in the title, you can just put count me in. For those of you who have already reached out, thank you. And for those of you who will be reaching out, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And then I'll be following up soon with some ways that we can connect and grow together in platform building. This week, I want to share with you a webinar series that I recently hosted with my state association. It's a conversation about chapter three of my new book, Messaging Matters, how school leaders can inspire teachers, motivate students, and reach communities. And in this conversation, we break into four parts the kinds of strategies you can use for messaging with teachers. Let me just jump into that conversation. And at the end, I'll come in for some closing thoughts. But this week, I want to talk specifically about how do we create strategies for positive messaging, strategies for using technology with teachers, strategies for feedback to our teachers, and strategies for facilitating change. Messaging Matters, the book, is divided into three sections, how to inspire teachers, motivate students, and reach communities. And so our focus has been on teacher communication, communicating with them. And so next time we're together, we'll transition into communication with students. But I want to, I want to stay on this deep dive into talking and communicating with teachers because I think it's an important part of the culture and community that we're building with our schools. Let me start with a story. I'm sure you guys have heard a similar conversation, but it's always entertaining to think about older couples. And there's this stereotypical story of the older couple on their 25th wedding anniversary when the wife says to her husband, do you still love me? And his response is, well, honey, I told you that 25 years ago. You should remember it. And I'm getting ready to celebrate my 25th wedding anniversary this summer. And so it's a good reminder to me that just saying I love you once doesn't mean that it can be remembered. And sometimes as school leaders, we have that same challenge because we get frustrated when our teachers say that they didn't remember something or that they don't remember being told something. And just because we've told them doesn't mean that they've heard it. And just because we told them once doesn't mean that they're going to remember it. So what are some strategies that you can be using that can enhance the way that you communicate? And I want to focus just on three that I considered good culture builders for positive messaging with your teachers. And I'll get into some other strategies here in just a few minutes, but let's talk about just three for just a moment. One is establish spirit builders. Your school is a community and relationships are powerful parts of how you lead a school community. 
if you look at research on why employees leave businesses, organizations, or schools, the number one reason is that they did not feel appreciated. And so, how do we build a culture where spirit and enthusiasm is a part of what we do? I'm just going to give you some examples from my own practice. One of the ways that we would do that is in the summer, our student leadership group would get together with our teachers and we would think about a common theme or motto that we wanted to have going into a new school year. Elementary schools are great at this, but sometimes secondary schools need some additional practice. And as a high school principal, it was good for me to have that conversation. So for instance, one year we took took the motto, stay powered up. And our school colors were red, black, and white. So we said powered, we capitalized the R, the E, and the D. And our students put it on a t-shirt. We bought those for our teachers. We, and staff members, we made them available to kids. And right before school started, we would put on those shirts, take a huge staff photo so that we could together celebrate that this was the mission for the year. And throughout all of our announcements, throughout of our, our newsletters, through our communications throughout the school year, we would make sure that that was the term that we'd use, stay powered up. The year before, it was something different. Every year, we've come up with a different motto. But building spirit into your process gives people an opportunity to be a part of a culture that's positive. And so throughout your school year, think about how you can build positive spirit. Another way is just by introducing and continuing traditions. Some schools have had traditions for a long time of ways that they enhance their communication and their positivity. But what are the ways your school is doing that? Um, One of the ways that we would do that is through simple recognitions like teachers of the month. But we also had a specific way in our school that we used that was because of a, a of a teacher in our building whose name was Brooks Walton. And Mr. Walton would do a, in addition to our teacher of the month, Mr. Walton would always give a Mr. Walton award of the month. And it was usually because of something funny or embarrassing or entertaining that a staff member had done that school year. And so uh, I'll just give you, for instance, one time we were having a, a volunteer day at a local um, local community fair and our teachers and staff had showed up to work and one of our staff members uh, was there when a, a local uh, vendor pulled up with an with a trailer full of animals and as he was unloading uh, she was asked to hold the rope of a donkey and she can't stand animals and so this became a, a really great moment for us to pull out our phones and capture this and do some uh, some fun joking and that month of course that staff member got an animal lover of the month award under the Mr. Walton tradition. I've often had teachers tell me that when they've come to faculty meetings, the thing they look forward to the most is that award. So what is it in your building that's a tradition or something that you can include, that you can continue that enhances folks feeling like they're a part of a positive community? And three, how do you organize and plan for celebrations throughout your school year? In our case, we would make sure that every month we recognize teachers' birthdays with a once a month big uh, celebration, we would get either pastries or donuts or cake or something that we would put in the teacher's lounge so that folks can enjoy a breakfast together or a lunch together, celebrating everyone's birthdays that month. Uh, We also made sure that at every meeting that we had, if if I was going to call a faculty meeting, that there was something there for people to eat and enjoy because that provides an element of celebration together. And even as we anticipated the teacher appreciation week that would come up every year, we would in advance reach out to community members to solicit donations and feedback and appreciation items that we could give 
them as well. One of our staff members would put together a letter each year and go out into the community and visit area businesses and ask them for all kinds of things, like foods or free lunches or free services that we would give to teachers during that appreciation week. Um, if you want to see a sample of the letter that we would use to reach out to community members, asking them to show appreciation to our teachers, there's one on page 44, or you can go to Solution Tree's website at solutiontree.com slash messaging, and there's free resources and downloadable items there as well. But how are you enhancing your positive messaging? Now, I also want to talk about ways that you can help your teachers to access your communication throughout the school year. And I like to use the analogy of the open door because in my practice as a school principal, I was typically the first one in my building every day. My daughters would commute with their dad to work. And so often they would watch me fumble through my pockets, find my keys and begin to unlock door after door after door and turn off alarms. And after a while, because they watched my routine, they would begin to help me in that process. And one day I just stopped and counted up how many doors did I open before I ever stepped into my office? And the answer was 10. And I had this thought, I have just opened 10 doors, but not every person that walks in this building is going through all 10 doors. But I've opened up enough doors that people are accessing the areas that they need to, to get in. And I'm using that analogy to ask you this question. Are you opening multiple doors in the way that you're communicating with teachers so that they have lots of ways to access the information that you're sharing? So let me just give you some specific ways that we've tried to apply technology to sharing ideas and information with teachers. One of those is simply by accomplishing our work together online. And I'm not sure what I did before Google created Google Forms and Google, Google Docs. We did a lot of emailing of docs back and forth, but using Google Docs has become such a powerful way to share with teams. For instance, we've created our master schedule using Google Docs. We've created um, are at the beginning of the year when we do student counts and we want teachers to enter how many students that they have in their classrooms. Uh, we've shared those out through Google Forms. When we're identifying, uh, teachers are identifying students uh, for good deeds or good behavior, we've used Google Forms to capture that information as well. It, just about everything that we've done, whether it's class lists, sponsors lists, lists of um, master schedules, we've figured out ways to share those together so that our teachers can access those things through their docs and can share with those with each other as well, including our professional learning community and, um, and data that we share among teachers. Also, another way that um, I've enhanced technology with is teacher communication with technologies through video file shares. Um, sometimes, especially at the high school setting, it's hard to get teachers all together into one room for a conversation. And so there are times where I've, in, in lieu of a faculty meeting, have put together a faculty video where I've just made a script ahead of time and talked through the points that I think are important for them and then shared those out in a private Vimeo share or a private YouTube share so the teachers can access that information. And then I usually attach to the email the files that I want them to open if they need to download things or look at those. And I usually put a sign-in sheet in the office so they can come by and sign that they've completed that so I have some, some accountability and follow-up. But I've had feedback from teachers in the past who've told me that sometimes those video shares provide them with more information because they are focused on uh, watching those. I don't do that exclusively, um, but I would suggest that you enhance your, your technology shares that way. And then one other tip I'll give is what I call Friday follow-ups. One of my assistant principals came up with this idea a few years ago where we, were, we would meet 
together at the end of the week and, and ask ourselves, what are the things that we want to summarize from the week that teachers did that we want to say thank you for, but what are the things that we're anticipating for next week that we should tell them about now so that they're not walking in surprised on Monday morning? So every Friday, we would send out what we called Friday follow-ups so that teachers could open that up and get some kudos for thanks for these things that happened this week. And then also here's what's coming so that they had it on their radar going into their weekend. There's so many ways that we can open doors for teachers so that they're continuously getting information from us as to what to expect. So we, we can anticipate change just like a good teacher does with students, principals do with their teachers. Now, let me give you what I also call my quick tech tips because strategizing for communicating with teachers is something that you can embed into your daily practice every single day. And so one of the ways that I suggest or six things that I suggest you do is you're just walking throughout your school on a daily basis are the following. One, capture moments that are happening throughout your school with your iPhone or camera. Two, increase your social media shares. When you're capturing pictures, get them out on social media or send them out as a kudos email, but make sure that you're sharing back to people, hey, this was great and let's look at what's happening in our school. Three, boost a post. I've done this on Facebook. It costs five bucks to boost a post there, and it's so worth it. If you want something to go to the top of someone's social media feeds, then consider boosting a post. Four, share weekly summaries. You, you should be able to wrap up your week, not just by communicating with teachers, here's what's coming, but also just sharing out celebrations of these are the great things that happened this week, and here's some photos to, to accent that information. Five, use your media relationships. How can you capture those moments, be celebrating them, and then also connect with the people outside of your school that support what you're doing? So our local editor of the newspaper always got copied on my emails of celebration. And sometimes those things ended up in the paper. In fact, she told me one summer, I don't like it when summer break comes because I've run out of things to put in the paper from the school. So that's a good feedback. And then finally, Press releases beyond your local community. And so get a hold of the email addresses of people at the largest newspapers or the largest TV stations near where you are and let them know too. They don't always repeat those things, but occasionally they will or they'll show up at events. And so the positive things happening among your teachers and kids goes beyond that, uh, what's happening just within your own school as well. So here's some questions to think about when it comes to your own strategies, your own technologies for enhancing positive communication. How are you promoting positive messaging right now? In what ways could you provide more support for culture among your staff and students? Because culture is an important part of our school's messaging. Next, think about one message that's important to communicate with teachers each week. And how are you consistently re-delivering that message over and over and over again? Because we have to be the ones that are the chief communicators of that main message we want people getting. And three, who else on your team can help? You can't do this alone. You can't be a superman or superwoman when it comes to messaging. So how can you enlist others on your team that are powerful messengers that can help you with social media shares or newsletter shares because you need others on that team promoting messages so that you have a culture of messaging. Now, the next topic of conversation today is how can you provide meaningful feedback to your teachers? And I like to think of this analogy in terms of professional golfers. You know, I'm not a good golfer, but I can recognize one when I see one because he or she has the fewest number of strokes to get the ball in the hole. But the cool thing about professional golfers is all of them still hire coaches. And I don't know how we expect to grow if we're not being coached or if we're not being encouraged by others around us. And we certainly can't expect our teachers to grow 
if we're not providing them with meaningful feedback. So what are some ways that we can be providing messages of positive and meaningful feedback for teachers? Here's a few. Number one, be visible. You can't provide meaningful feedback with people unless they see you. So whether that means before school, after school, in hallways, in classrooms, let people see your faces. Two, attend your team meetings. As you're building professional learning communities within your school, you need to be there too. You know, I had the privilege of having two other admins on my team and we would divide up among the three of us which professional learning community teams that we were members of so that we could sit in those meetings, not run them, but sit in them and participate as active team members. Three, consider holding leadership lunches. I made a strategy of having a leadership lunch in my office each week for teachers the week before we would have a faculty meeting. And so my faculty meetings, we would have a monthly faculty meeting in addition to the team meetings that we were having. So I would hold a leadership lunch the week before because any teachers interested in input to leaders to the leadership of our building could come to that lunch and that's when I would build the agenda for the coming faculty meeting so that I'm not just guessing or thinking I know what teachers need to know. They're telling me directly, these are the things that I think we need to be communicating about. Number four, may, be at games and events. And I know that you're there already, but one of the reasons it's powerful to be present at games and events is because teachers pour a lot of heart and soul into these after-school activities. And your presence there shows them your support. It also gives you opportunities sometimes to have meaningful conversations that you would not have any other place. Next, make observing priority one. And what I mean by that is that if you can schedule in advance each week which teacher's classrooms you want to make a priority to be in, then you build the rest of your calendar around that priority. So each year I would build a calendar out so that my teachers knew in advance going into the week which teachers I was prioritizing spending time with. That way, we could communicate back and forth which times were best for me to be in their rooms, but also I could build the rest of my schedule around that priority, that the, that week those teachers were my priority for being in their rooms. If I hadn't scheduled those in advance and prioritized them, it wouldn't happen. Give effective feedback. Number five, I remember a conversation I had with a teacher where she was a veteran teacher, fantastic at her work, but she said to me, well, I don't just need an evaluation. I need feedback. Where can I grow? And when I heard her say that, I realized that teachers want coaching. Even though they may not come right out and say it, your feedback with them, your, your conversations with them help provide them with specific ideas of where they can continue to grow. So a couple of ways I would do that with my teachers is in those follow-up meetings that we had after observations even though we may have had a formal document to go through, I would usually ask them two specific questions. One, where are areas that you feel you're really um, performing strong right now? And then two, what are some areas where you feel you need to grow? And that would help launch into the conversations where maybe there are areas I was observing too, but how can you be providing effective feedback so people feel like they're growing in their profession? Because I like to grow in mine and teachers do too. And then finally, how do you divide and delegate? Because there's no way that you can provide meaningful feedback by yourself. And so training your teams in how to be a part of the communication that you're doing is an important part of providing meaningful feedback. For me, that meant training my staff, my office staff, to try to manage conversations or be able to filter phone calls or be able to know how to answer questions that could be answered 
separate from me so that I would have more time to get into classrooms too. So those are some strategies for effective feedback. Now, now it's your turn. Think about these three questions. What is one step that you can take to make feedback to teachers more meaningful? How can you make sure that teachers are, are receiving meaningful feedback from you? Two, how can you schedule your time in advance? Because if you don't prioritize those visits in that time with teachers, it will not happen. And number three, what is one digital tool that you can use to enhance your feedback? I've shared some ideas of my own, but think about if you're not enhancing your use of digital tools, how you can do that uh, with your teachers to provide specific, meaningful feedback. And finally, I want to talk about in this last conversation about messaging with teachers, how do we facilitate change in the way that we message? Because so often in the leadership that we do, we're not just providing immediate feedback or managing what's happening on a day-to-day basis, but leaders are also planning the change that's coming down the road. Last year, I read a great book by Britt Andretti called Wired to Resist, and it's research on what happens in our brains when we encounter change. And not surprisingly, anytime a person's brain is examined when, they're, when they are introduced to change, your brain immediately begins to operate in a way that resists that change. So the point is this, anytime we're asked to do something new, we anatomically have parts of our brains that release um, endocrines that release, that stimulate parts of our brain that want to resist that change. And so it should be no surprise to us that when we're introducing change in our schools that people will instinctively resist, not because they're trying to be negative and not because they don't necessarily want to change and not because they're not risk takers and some people are more averse to change than others, but because all of us have some sort sense of resistance when it comes to change. So with that in mind, let me just give you some suggestions on ways you can strategize to facilitate change. One of those I call beta testing. And I actually picked up this idea from A.J. Giuliani's book, The Beginner's Guide to to Design Thinking in Classrooms. He talks about how teachers can beta test ideas with students to help them test ideas before they go into full implementation, just like businesses do. And I began to think about that in terms of my school processes. How am I beta testing ideas with teachers before we implement change? I'll give you an example. Last year, we were doing a, we were thinking through a new remediation schedule for the coming school year. And so we sat down together with a teacher team that we had um, ask for volunteers to join. And we began to look at our schedules and put together some mock schedules of ways that we might be able to implement remediation schedules that would be more effective for our school the coming school year. Instead of just coming up with a model and saying, this is what we're doing next year, we came up with models and then we would schedule a time to test them. So we would tell teachers, on this coming date, we're going to run a new schedule for this date. Everyone, we're going to model this prepare your students, prepare yourself, and that day's schedule will be different than our normal schedule. After we beta tested that schedule, then we would send out a survey and get information from students or teachers. And then at our next staff meeting, we would debrief and talk through what were the things that we learned from that beta test that were helpful or what are some things that we need to tweak. Then a few weeks later, we would do another model. Modeling and beta testing those schedules 
created a couple of opportunities. One, it gave us a chance to see where our weaknesses were in advance. And two, it gave us resistance immediately. In other words, we didn't, we didn't just anticipate the resistance we would have when we started the schedule, but we were getting the pushback then that would help us think through some of the questions that we would be facing later. Number two, provide the steps and tools necessary for change. We can't expect people to implement change unless we take the responsibility of thinking through what that change is going to look like and then scheduling and providing the steps and tools necessary to do it. And so it's our responsibility as leaders to look down the road and then anticipate what are the steps that need to happen for people to implement this. One of the most frustrating things for teachers is when a change is announced with no directions. And so we have to, as leaders, take responsibility for anticipating those and then coming up with the steps and tools for change. I'll give you an example on that remediation schedule. We created shared spread Google spreadsheets that showed the samples of what we were getting ready to do with our remediation schedules. We provided those out in advance. We made sure every teacher that was going to be managing a specific area of the school had been told in advance which area they were managing or if they were managing specific groups for remediation that they were given that schedule in advance as well. It's a lot of work, but making sure that everyone knows in advance what their goals and strategies are puts everybody in the places where they belong and have responsibility for. And I'll throw this in too, even though it's not in the notes. I participated in those same roles. So if I ask teachers to be teaching remediation sections, then I would often jump in to a classroom and help with that remediation so that I was being a part of what I was asking my teachers to do. And then finally, take time to debrief. Whether it's after a major assembly with students, whether it's after implementing a new change, whether it's after a graduation ceremony, whatever it is, if you've just done something that's been a major initiative among your team members, then debrief together afterwards so that you can get feedback from others as to what worked well, what needs to be changed or tweaked next time, so that people feel heard and understood and know that together you are implementing change and you're decreasing the resistance. So here are some questions to ask yourself about when you are facilitating change. Number one, what ways are you communicating change for the next season? Think, think right now, what's the next season coming up in your school? Maybe you're getting ready for testing, or maybe you're getting ready to think through what your graduation schedule will look like, or what does the closing year look like for you, or what does next year's schedule look like for you? How are you communicating that change way in advance so people are ready for it? Number two, how do you anticipate resistance and have processes for feedback and collaboration? Because people will have questions and sometimes they'll have pushback. So how are you anticipating that and then creating processes so that people can give you feedback and so that you can collaborate around solutions? And then number three, what steps can you take to model or beta test change? If you're expecting others to change, how are you modeling that change for them? And how are you giving them an opportunity to practice it before it happens? It's so important. You know, even in my role as an executive director um, leading a professional organization, last week we hosted a conference, a middle-level conference, and we sat down with our team before the conference, and we had already worked through a script. We had already worked through a program schedule. We had already mapped out everything that was going to happen, and the team that was delivering the information at that conference, we practiced it together. So we, have, we, we modeled it, beta tested it, practiced it before it happened. That way we can anticipate the things. And in the conference, although it didn't run perfectly, it ran as planned. Now let's wrap this up. In our schools, how are we 
creating the kind of culture where teachers aren't being told by their school leaders, you should know that. I've already told you that once. Because just like in a marriage, you have to learn that when you're communicating with your spouse, sometimes you're going to make mistakes, which are in a bank account, kind of like a withdrawal. But also you're going to be making deposits in that bank account, which are the positive ways that you're communicating. In any good relationship, at the end of the day, if you've made more deposits than withdrawals, then you have an account where there's a lot of grace and forgiveness. And so if you're looking at this webinar image, I've got a, a piggy bank on the image. And that's because I, I just want to remind you as a school leader, every day you're making deposits and withdrawals with your teachers. How are you ensuring that your deposits are outweighing your withdrawals? And the way that you ensure that your deposits are outweighing your withdrawals, that you're building a long-term relationship where you're consistently reminding them that what they do matters is by keeping your messages positive, by building spirit, building culture, building celebration, using technology tools that enhance that on a daily basis and with shared communication throughout your school, providing meaningful feedback by being visible, present, and having engaging conversations that require your presence, and then by facilitating change and anticipating in advance what people need so that you're getting that message out in a way that anticipates resistance, but also anticipates a successful implementation. So that's a lot of information about strategies for messaging with teachers, but I hope that it's helpful in your practice because my goal in having these conversations is to give you ideas of ways that in your own practice, you're consistently thinking about how are you messaging with your teachers so that your deposits outweigh your withdrawals so that at the end of the conversation, you're not like that couple who the man says, well, I told you that 25 years ago, you should have known. Your teachers need to hear from us, from you consistently. Our, those whom we lead need to hear from us consistently that what they do matters. Principal Matters listeners, thank you for the time that you've taken to listen, to learn, and to grow together this week. I want to make a couple of quick shout outs here at the end. One is to my friends at the Oklahoma Middle Level Educators Association. We hosted an event last week, had Josh Ship in town, had some amazing breakout sessions, had an Oklahoma educator, Josh Flores, who presented. And it was a powerful day of learning. Thank you to all my friends who connected together there. And also to CLASS, which is the Council for Leaders in Alabama Schools. They've hosted three assistant principal conferences this month and invited me to connect with assistant principals to do some learning and growing together there as well. So those of you in Alabama whom I've gotten to know recently, thank you for connecting and thank you for learning together. I look forward to continuing that learning. And again, if you are interested in learning more about building your own platform for sharing ideas, then reach out to me at my email address at will at williamdparker.com and just put count me in in the title. And I'm looking forward to following up with you. Have a great week. Thanks for doing what matters. And I'll talk to you soon.